me. Almost like being a cheerleader or almost, almost. Because it, it is true that God has a part, has us a part of his team, his great team. Now, in the season that we're in, whatever season you are in life, you are still a part of some team. It's not just a sports analogy, but it's a, it's a family analogy. It's a, it's a workplace theme, that we're always a part of a team. Now, the neat thing about this teamwork theme is that God has us a part of his team. Now, if you're here today and this is your first time, we'd like to welcome you. And if you're searching for the things of God and you're saying, I don't, I don't have God in my life yet, but I want him to be in my life. I, I haven't connected with him yet. Then you can already know that God has created you in his image. So you are already a child of God. You are already a part of his team. And because you're searching for him, the Bible says when you search for him with all of your heart, you will find him. And the Bible is crystal clear about how this happens. That's why he calls all of us to connect together in the hopes that people find him. We live in a world that has so many different views and opinions about God, but we're not like that. We go straight to the Bible and we say, God, who who are we in you and who are you so that we can connect with you? Today we are continuing in our series, the, The Adventures of God's great change, and God is doing great changes in all of us. He continuously does changes in every single person. Now, the question is not that we go through changes. The question is, what kind of changes do we go through? Are they good changes or are they not good changes? Because sometimes it can be not good changes. And the Bible talks to us about being a generation that continuously passes on to the next generation the mighty acts of God. And we learn that here in Hawaii, our grandparents pass on the great things to the next generation. So if we look at where we are in in this season of our church, we are a multi-generational church. But we're still one generation. This generation. And the world we live in today is going to require a multi-generational team to reach a multi-generational world. And we, need, we need every single person advancing the kingdom of God, every single person who believes in God to believe in the potential that people have in them. Because God is the potter and we are the clay and he shapes us and molds us so that we can be used to the best of our abilities, to our highest potential, the way he created us. There's a place in Cataract, Maryland, and it's a, a naval uh, a ship uh, place that they, they, they have a facility that helps them to build ships, but they don't build the ships there. They actually have a facility that is 240 feet wide by 360 feet long that has over 12 million gallons of water in it that can reach depths up to 50 feet and various depths of 25 and 30 feet. And this facility is called the Maneuvering and Sea-Keeping Basin that helps them to understand what the open seas are like. And they take these model ships, big ships actually, but smaller you know, models, and they use this facility to build these ships and to see what the ships would be like in various conditions. And it's, it's an amazing facility, but they also use it to train 
people. And this is what it looks like. And they can do different types of waves. And they, they use this to train people in the open seas that they drop them in there and they have to learn how to swim in there and navigate with the rough seas. They also have these paddles that can do various types of waves and currents and it can make uh, different waves up until four feet. So I know some of you are, are surfers, bodyboarders, you're like four feet, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't barrel, okay? It's just, it just makes rough water. So it's going to be choppy in there. But they use this facility to train. And it's used in such a way that as you're being trained in this condition, that you'll be ready for whatever condition is out there. And the reason why they do that is because if you can handle this, you'll be ready for what is happening out there. Now, God has the greatest discipleship facility in our generation right now. The greatest discipleship facility to help raise up new believers, to help spread the gospel of Jesus. He has a, a, an unbelievable group of people that will disciple others. A disciple is someone who learns. And if we talk about disciples of Jesus, then it's people who learn from Jesus. It's someone who follows Jesus. So we have an unbelievable facility of people to reach the next generation. 60 million strong. And we call them our kupuna. 60 million strong right now. Ages 65 and over. Sorry, I just put you in a category, but yes, you are our kupuna. You're the forerunners. Some, sometimes we call, we call them seniors. And I know some of you don't like that name, seniors, until you get the discounts. Like, I can be a senior. I can go to the movies at a cheaper price. I take that discount. So we, we are in that, yeah, we are in that season. We call them forerunners here. Or here in Hawaii, our kupuna. These are our elders, those that, that we look up to for wisdom and advice and for direction. God has called you in this season right now as that generation, 60 million strong, to shape the next generation. Now, this morning, as we talk about the shaping of a generation, it's not just the shaping of a generation that is of age, like an age thing, but it's also the shaping of a generation with new believers, new people. New people who are searching for the things of God. People who are far from God who want to be brought near to God. It's going to take an entire generation to reach new people. We constantly have new people coming here on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, throughout the week. People moving here. People visiting here. Constantly. Why? Because God wants to reach them. We're all important to God. It doesn't matter what age you're in. We're all important. Now, I've asked two people to help me process this because as you know if you've been at this church for a while that we've gone through some changes we've gone through some major changes but these two people they've been able to navigate through these changes and i've asked them to join me this morning i'm going to call up dr robin takahashi and pastor pauline spencer and some of you know them very well and dr robin said you just asked us because we old <laughs> i was like what of course that's the reason. Why else would I call you up here? <laughs> uh, just Dr. Robin. Yeah, not you, Pastor Pauline. Still a young woman. But I've asked Dr. Robin and Pastor Pauline to just, I, I just had a couple questions because, you know, when we talk about multi-generational, 
it's going to take a multi-generational church to reach a multi-generational world. So I'm going to ask pa- Pastor Pauline first. The first question is, is, because I've seen this happen in your life ever since I came to church. How do you continue to invest in the next generation, not just age, but also new people who have come to know the Lord? Um, first of all, I think it's because um, I've learned so much. I am so grateful that since I became a Christian, God has shown me so much. Mm-hmm. He's even allowed me to go through uh, trials and tribulations, and I've gone through good times, hard times, and all of that. And those are valuable lessons for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've learned through the ages mm-hmm. that um, it's something that God allowed to happen in my life so that I could give him the glory mm-hmm. and share it with the next generation, yeah. and I have, and because I have seen the glory of the Lord in a couple of generations <laughs> already, and I've seen, um, like, Pastor Sheldon was here, and Heidi, and uh, Ben, and, you know, all my kids, I call them my kids, <laughs> they, um, we invested in them, we encouraged them, and Today, they're our leaders in the church. And to see what they've become, it's all worth it mm. for me to say, gosh, you know, I have to continue this. I have to. Mm. And today, I have, like, grandchildren in the church, mm. and I just so love them. And I, I just embrace them because I know that they will become the Sheldons, mm. the bunnies and the bins you know i know that that's our generation and it's such a honor for me to pass on what i have i the gifts that i have to the next generation so and i know that god meant our the the kingdom the church not to be um not to have age segregation Mm -hmm. but to be a family Mm -hmm. that helps like your own family, your grandmas, help, uh, you know, mentor the younger ones yeah. and then pass that, that, that on. So it's a valuable thing for us as Kupuna to embrace the younger ones. Mm-hmm. And what I love about the younger ones today is, for me, I just, you know, like with Shana, I just say, Shana, fix my cell phone. <laughs> 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 and and they're... Um, they're valuable to us. I mean, they teach us a lot of things, this generation. Mm-hmm. They're so smart, mm-hmm. you know. So we learn from them also. Yeah. So I'm grateful. I just love, love, love the young kids. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Pauline. Thank you. So, Dr. Robin, my friend, <laughs> how do you deal with all the changes that we've been through? Because we've gone through some changes throughout the years. How do you... How do you manage to go through that? Honest answer. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. We in church. (laughs) And you an elder. You should be honest everywhere. (laughs) Okay. Well, first of all, I grumble and I complain. (laughs) And I moan and I ache because I so desire things to be how I like it to be Mm. or what's best for me. And then I listen to other people grumble and complain, and I listen to that. 
And then I meet with you many times to <laughs> discuss these grumblings and complainings. And we're still friends. We're still That's friends. That's got to be Jesus. We're That's still the friends. only way. That's the only way. <laughs> but, you know, I had problems with the sound and all that. And, you know, sometimes the bass would reverberate and rock me and, mm. you know, all these kinds of things, the loudness I had difficulties with. And then one Wednesday night, I was standing in the back there right by the sound booth, facing the stage. And the music was going, and the worship was going, and, oh, I was having this time of kind of a pity party, a grumbling to God and complaining to him too loud, this and that, people not going to like it, and I'm going to hear more complaints, this and that. And then God directed my attention to this right side here. And as I looked over there, I seen all the youth, and they were just rocking and rolling <laughs> and just enjoying themselves. And then God said to me this, Robin, it's for them. And really what he said to me was this, is that as the older generation, we've got to be willing to make sacrifices for the younger generation. For if not, all that we have here and all that has been developed and built by people like Pastor Pauline will never be the same and may never even be in existence. Mm. We've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to raise up the next generation so that they can continue to do what we've been doing all this time. Yeah. And so it's like Godwin, you know, slapped my head and give me spankings. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> it was a very valuable lesson that I learned. Yeah. Hey, if you need slapping head, let me, let me, let me know. Let me know. <laughs> but can, we, can we just thank Dr. Robin and Pastor Pauline? <laughs> thank you, Pastor Pauline. <laughs> you know, and, and, a, and a part of that too is, you know, when we, ever, when we go through changes and, and shifts and things like that, you know, although Dr. Robin is saying it's for them, it, it's really for all of us to learn and grow together. That's why we call it SALT, you know, our conference, Serving and Learning Together. It's, it's both sides, you know. It's, it's constantly, how do, we, how do we stay together as a church so that the world can see a great representation of who God is? And as we work through these things together, we got to remember that we work with volunteers. This church is built on a volunteer base when it comes to the various things that happen. So we have volunteer sound people, volunteer cook people, cook people, volunteer cooks, uh, volunteer within our nursery and, and various areas. And although they get training, they're not paid professionals. These are volunteers. They work all week and then volunteer. So thank you to you who volunteer day in and day out so that people can find Jesus Christ. Thank you for volunteering and giving your all. Thank you. I applaud you. There's a, uh, there's a, a scripture in the book of Exodus that will speak to us. It's found in Exodus chapter 17. And if you have your notes in your bulletin, you can take that out and, and maybe write down Exodus chapter 17 because I'm going to read from verses 8 through 16. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. I'll read out of mine and you'll still be able to follow along. By the way, we do have our, our church app uh, if you want to download it to your phone. And in our app, there's a place that you can take notes. And the good thing about taking notes on your phone is that there's more room, and it's readable for people like me who writes, you know, bad handwriting. You can read it afterwards and always have it with you, and you can email it to people. You can share it in whatever way you want to, but you can always have it with you, so uh, absolutely do that. Just stay focused, okay, on your notes. 
You're going to have you know, notifications come up, different likes that will happen. Stay focused. Focus, focus, focus on the things of God. So, and don't be... Anyway, okay. So Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. And let me just set this up a little bit. In the book of Exodus, and if you've been reading with us through our devotions, you've learned that the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians. And then Moses was called by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. So this is post-slavery and now entering into the promised land. But they're not there yet. They've encountered an enemy. They're called the Amalekites. Now the Amalekites are actually descendants from Esau, who was the twin brother of Jacob. Jacob and Esau had some tough times together because Jacob actually took his birthright as well as the blessing. So now they're at, they're at ends with each other and almost like almost enemies, but not necessarily Jacob, enemy to Esau. It's just that Esau just did not like what happened. And so Jacob became Israel. And now Moses is of that lineage and the Amalekites are of that lineage. So you can already see the animosity and that the Amalekites just don't like the Israelites. And so in Exodus chapter 17, here we are, verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, who was his assistant, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went on the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But when he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Because the hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. So here you have this war that takes place. Moses is on the top of the hill. Joshua is swinging the sword. And together they defeat the Amalekites. I'm sure Moses was on the top of the hill thinking, oh, I wouldn't do it like that. Oh, boy, no, don't swing the sword like that. He's like, what did I teach you? Oh. But no, his, his hands were praising God. And because of that, as the Israelites are swinging the sword, they see Moses interceding for them on behalf of them. And they gain strength from that because they know that God is fighting the battle. And all those who have gone before them, they're looking up and saying, look, we have their support. They're praising God. They're, they're lifting us up in prayer to God. So we're winning. But the moment Moses' hands grew tired and, and went lower, they looked back and said, oh, no, what's, what is happening now? And they were being defeated at that moment. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if Moses, when his hands were growing tired, that at that very moment he thought in his mind, I would love to be there swinging the sword. I would love to be there showing my skills. I would love to be there. 
Because the mind says yes, but the body says no. I've had that happen to me, even in my age. Now, I'm 44 years old, so that's not that bad, okay? Those of you who are 12, 13, 44 sounds old. It's not that bad. But I remember playing basketball one time, and, and you know how you drive to the rim and, you, you know, shoot the basket? Well, my friend pulled me on the side, and he said, what are you doing? I said, what? I'm just driving to the rim. He said, you can't do that anymore. And I almost got offended, like, what do you mean I can't do that anymore? He says, yeah, do you want to get hurt? I'm thinking, you like get hurt. <laughs> I said, why? He said, don't do that. And basically what he was doing was he was loving me enough to say, you're a grandpa. You're a father. You're a pastor. We don't need you to get hurt right now. He said, just work on your three-point shots. That will be better for you. But what he was saying is, your mind is saying you can, but your body is going to shut you down. And I think we all come through that stage of life. Isn't it true that we come to a place in life that can be discouraging because we can no longer do the things we used to? But God has a better way. He says, no, no, you can always, always serve me. Your body may not keep up with you, but your spirit is still vibrant, alive, and well. In fact, Moses was over 80 years old when he became, when he was in this war. Joshua was in his kind of early 40s. So you had two different generations doing what they could do in their season. You might be at a season where you're saying, I can't. You may be at a season where you're saying, I got the energy. You may be at a season that you're saying, my body's not keeping up with my spirit. But whatever you can do for the Lord, you can do. Don't cut short God's hand on your life by saying what you cannot do. Be like Moses. If you're in that generation and you're saying, I I need to sit down longer, then sit down longer. If if you're at a place where you're saying, "I I need people to help hold my hands up, then have people hold your hands up. And I know it's difficult to go through that transition because we just don't want to have that help. But that's just the season we're in. And God uses us together to shape one another so that everyone can come to know him as the Lord and Savior, as Lord and Savior. As Moses, as long as Moses' hands were up, the Israelites were winning. But once his hands came down, they began to lose. Do you know how important you are in the generation you're in? That you're able to partner with God in the winning and the losing of a generation. You're just that valuable. Every single person has that value. So the question becomes then as God's people, how do we shape the next generation? Not just in age, but in in new people as believers. Because you could be 80 years young and find the Lord, and now you're two days old in the Lord. It's a new generation of believers. It's a new generation of people coming to find Christ. See, every single one of us can be a part of shaping the next generation. A generation of age, a generation of believers, because we have a lot of new people coming to know Christ. So we're going to look at three simple acts and three simple things that we can do to help shape this next generation. Here's the first thing, and it's simple. Speak of the mighty acts of God often. Often. It's not that hard. See, I think we, we speak of mighty acts. We tell stories all the time. We'll, we'll, we'll tell a story and someone else will tell their story. And then when they hear that story, we'll tell our story. So speak of the mighty acts of God often because we do that all the time. 
How often we'll have someone say, oh, yeah, the other day, we can go fishing. I caught like one 25, 60, 20, like 50, 60, 75 pound lure. I mean, I was bringing them in and all that. And the other guy said, no way. Yeah. Hey, me too, the other week. Yeah, it was like 18, 15, 25, like 40, 115 pounds. Oh, my goodness. Took me like eight days to bring them in. And so we're, we're bringing in our stories and everyone will do that. Like, oh, yesterday I'm running. I try to run fast, and, you know, I beat my time. I, I, I ran like a 7.36-second mile. I could do that. No way. Yeah. Me too. The other week I did 7.2 seconds of a mile. And so we'll throw our things in there. Oh, I lift 250 pounds. That was my max. No way. Me the other day, 350. Not. So we're, we constantly top each other, and we speak of the mighty acts of us and what we do. And so we, we already do that, but the Bible says, speak of the mighty acts of God. That that's how we pass on to the next generation, how great God is, and how good He is, and how magnificent He is. Psalm chapter 45, uh, excuse me, 145, verses 3 through 7. It says, great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your work to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. They joyfully sing of your righteousness. That we constantly pass on to the next generation the wonderful works of God. That we sing joyfully, joyfully of your righteousness. I just want to say thank you for being a church that sings joyfully about God's righteousness so that the next generation can see visually and spiritually what it means to sing for joy about the righteousness of God. That we can be that generation that helps shape this next generation coming in. That we speak about the great things that God has done in our families. That God has brought restoration. Speak of the great things that God is doing in our marriages. That God is doing something even when I cannot see it. That God is restoring relationships. He's bringing fruit into his kingdom. That there's, there's, there are people saying yes to him all the time. Speak of the mighty acts of God. Of the healing that he gave to you. The, 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 the sickness that you were in and God brought healing. Speak of the wonderful things that God has done because there's too many negative things being spoken of out there in the world. We need more of us as believers to speak about the mighty acts of God. When someone brings up something negative, you got to bring up two or three things that are positive to just kind of douse that fire. And it's not to be blinded by what happens in the world, but we're not the world. We're the kingdom of God. We're citizens of heaven. So we are to declare the mighty acts of God. And God will use that so that people can find him. Speak of the mighty acts of God in the workplace. Not to be over-religious or super spiritual, but just to thank God for all the things that he does. That if there are people in the workplace and they're complaining, 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 then you just ask God, God, give me a word that I can share so that I can speak of your mighty acts. And it could be as simple as, hey, I understand your pain. Boy, this, this is difficult. This is difficult. But I thank God that I'm here to shine his light. Yeah, it's difficult, but boy, I, I, I've received something from God that says you're this valuable. I've received something from God that says we're here for a purpose. It could be as simple as I understand, I understand what you're saying. But let's be the people who 
shine light into this darkened place. In whatever way, you just ask God how you can be that so that we can teach out of our life, so that we can teach not just with our words, but with our lifestyle. In fact, you can write that in your second point, to teach out of my life. That this is how we shape one another. This is how we shape the next generation. We, we teach out of our life. That people can see our example. That's why the Bible says, let them see your good works so that they glorify God in heaven. You shine your light in such a way. It, it is said like this, that you can teach what you know, but you will ultimately reproduce who you are. You can teach what you know, but you will ultimately reproduce who you are. What are we reproducing for the next generation? What does that look like? The Bible tells us in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, it says, You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate. How's that word? Temperate. So, for those of us who aren't temperate, we need to be taught how to be temperate. Worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine. Some of you, you stick... Huh? Yeah, right there. Circle that. Highlight. Cut it out. Put it right there. Yeah. <laughs> but to teach what is good. They can, then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands. Husbands, underline that. Highlight it. Write it down. Blow it up. Put them on top of your wife's mirrors. I'm just joking because then you can get lickings and then there goes everything. So be subject to, your, to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. That's a tough statement. To malign the word of God, to slander the word of God, to, to come against the word of God, to speak evil of, or to defame the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. So this passage right here, just It gives us a template on how we are to be multi-generationally so that we, we teach out of our life. We're going to teach what we know, but we're going we're to reproduce who we are. Life is going to teach. And that's how we raise up the next generation. We teach out of our lifestyle. Lest if we just sit back and say, well, you know, let these people do it, or that's their responsibility, and we take no part in what God is doing, what good does that do for our soul? Heidi and I were gone this week for about five days. We were on Oahu, and we were at a, a church conference with Pastor Wayne Cordero at New Hope Oahu called DCAT, doing church as a team. Well, because we were gone, we, we had some uh, fruit that was still on our counter, and we forgot to you know, take it out. So when we came home, it was still there. But I'm sitting at the dinner table, and, and I, just, I just see Heidi going, Oh, my goodness. And I said, what, what? And I see her face, and it's like, like repulsive. So I think she was looking at one of my pictures, and I thought, what is she doing? But it wasn't that. Thank you, Jesus. She had a napkin, and she said, look at this. And I said, what in the, what is that? She goes, this is an orange. I, I said, that's not an orange. That's a black. That, and it was moldy, and, and it's like, throw that thing out. 
And I thought, I, I looked at that and I thought, you know, Lord, that can be me. That if I'm not used and I just sit there, I will rot to the core. And I'm no longer useful. But because God wants us to be a part of what he's doing, we can teach out of our life. Let's not be a, a generation, a church, a person that, that believes in God and says, my season is done. Your season is not done. If your season was done, you'd be home with the Lord. But your season is not done. It's still continuously going on. We don't want to rot to the core and just sit on the shelf. See, when Dr. Robin, when I was talking to Dr. Robin, and when we would have our sit-down times, and, and various people, you know, some of you will talk to me about various things. There's nothing wrong with bringing problems. There's nothing wrong with bringing problems to our attention. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with the emotions that stir in our hearts that says, oh, how come this? Why this? They should change this. Why they do this? You're saying that. If it was like this, it would be better. Nothing wrong with that. But it has to be taken care of in an appropriate way. That it should never just stir up here and then go out here. It should always go from here straight to God and say, God, this is what I'm dealing with right now. Teach me something. Can you show me something? And there is a difference between a person who will have this kind of heart that goes through those emotions and then brings the problem with the solution and is a part of it then someone who just has this spirit in them and these emotions going on keeps it to themselves and then goes on and spreads it to others. Hey, you hear about this? This is happening. This is happening. Oh, look at that person. What about that? What about that person? Oh, this is wrong. This is bad. And, and you share it with other people. Next thing you know, you kind of get a huddle of people. And once you do that, it, it no longer is a part of the solution. Now you become the problem. The Bible calls this group complainers. Complainers. That's a hard word to swallow. Like complain. I'm not a complainer. I, 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 don't, I don't complain. <laughs> I don't complain. I just, I just tell it as it is. <laughs> I just <laughs> but it, here's, here's, here's the difference. Someone who brings solutions and says, hey, how, how, yeah, the, yeah, like Dr. Robin, the sound is, the sound is difficult, and how can I help? What, what things can I do to help? Those people are called reformers. They help bring great change. Those that just stay in a huddle of complainers, they're called renegades. Yeah, there's a difference. And I always, I always pray out the complaining spirits. I don't, comp I don't pray out people. I pray out spirits in this church. I just pray, Lord, if there's a spirit of complaining that goes nowhere but only to ruin hearts, I pray that spirit out. Now, here's the danger because I've seen this happen in my own life. When that spirit is prayed out of the church, I have an option to either hang on to it or let it go. But if I hang on to it, that spirit is strong. It'll drag you to And you'll never resolve it, no matter where you go. You'll go to another church. You'll go to another job. You'll go to another relationship. If that spirit is still there, it changes nothing. But he's the potter. We're the clay. And as he molds us and shapes us, he's going to take out things that don't belong there. And if that spirit is in there, he's going to take that out. Don't go grab it back and say, but I like this. It feels good. 
spirit will find spirit all the time. But if you have the spirit of the living God, then you're going to reproduce that. Then together as a church, we're going to reach the next generation of people who have yet to come to know Christ, the next generation of leaders, the next generation of pastors and people in the workplace that will reach others for Christ because that's why we're here. That's what happened with Joshua. That's what happened with Moses. Both of them together was advancing the kingdom of God. And I think we are, I mean, if I look at, the, look at this church. Look around you. Look at the people around you. Various ages. Look at the, some of you are looking at the person next to you. is like, you are not that old. <laughs> and then the other person is like, well, at least I'm not that young. And you're at a place right now that you're perfect in its season. You're perfect in your season. Because we're in the kingdom of God. Although our bodies get old, our spirits are alive because it's the breath of God that gives us that vitality. When Moses' hands grew tired, Aaron and Hur brought a stone for him to sit down and they held his hands up. They held his hands up. I want to speak to the younger generation. Now, I'm not going to give you an age in that. You just think to yourself, I'm in that generation. Just that, that's you. If I'm speaking to you, that's you. For the younger generation, and I'm going to say this with, all the, with, with heart. Catch my heart on in this. The younger generation, if you're not doing this, please implement this. Respect your elders. Respect your elders. Respect your mom and dad. Respect your aunties and your uncles, your grandparents. Respect them. Because they have been through wars that you know not of. They've been through the battles for you that you will never hear about. They're not going to sit you down and say, you know what? First of all, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice my younger years for you. I don't know why I always speak pigeon. Why is that? I, why, can't I, why can't it be a, a non-local person? <laughs> but but we, you may never hear that. And then there are some parents who will sit you down and then you will hear it. But this generation have, have paid the price for the next generation. Every generation pays a price for the next generation, or else the next generation wouldn't survive. So respect that generation. Respect them. When, when you're at the dinner table, and this is for the younger people, when your aunties and uncles, your aunties, uh, your, your grandparents sit down at the dinner table, this is not an option. This is not an option, but this is face-to-face, face-to-face. Now, if auntie and uncle is like this, then more is caught than taught. Now I understand, but, but if they're at the dinner table or any, any type of setting and they want to talk with you, enjoy that memory, that moment. Don't miss out on that, that, that memory You'll be surprised. Now, let me just tell you, this generation and this generation, talk time are completely different. This generation can talk for days, this one minutes. So it's, it's tough. Yeah, I understand that. But you bring the two together, it's powerful. It's powerful. So we teach each other, we model for each other how we can be because we want to be remembered in a certain way. You can write that in your last point. How do you want to be remembered? 
How do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered as a, a generation that loved people, that would welcome people? That when new people come here to our church, that you may be in your setting. We call them cliques, right? That we sit in our cliques. There are tons of new people walking by us who are desperately in need of Christ, who ha have no understanding that there is hope beyond the grave, who are lost without Christ, who are hurting on the inside. And we who have the answers to eternal life through Christ Watch them walk by us all the time. May we continue to be a church that greets people in the name of the Lord. Not just see people, but we greet them. And we are that kind of church. I'm just, this is probably like maintenance today. We're just doing a maintenance thing, cleaning out oil, you know, changing, I was going to say changing face, but oh, that would be great, you know, take out all the wrinkles, that would be great. But it is, it's a, it's a, it's a maintenance thing. Like just kind of assessing where are we as a church, as a generation, as a person, as a believer? Where are we? Because we're going to leave a legacy. We're going to leave a legacy. How do we want to be remembered? There was uh, at the conference, they had me speaking uh, at this one session, and I talked about being a dream releaser. So after the message, after I spoke, uh, they had a time for Q&A. So people were asking questions and we we're giving them answers. And then there was this one man who kind of had a question in it, but it was more of an encouraging thing. He said, he said, you know, you just inspired me to continue to release dreams in people. I work in the prison ministries, and I, I, I serve in this ministry, and, and boy, I, I'm just fired up now that I can continue to go on. So thank you for speaking in that way to be a dream releaser. This man was over 70 years old, and he's still had that fire. And I looked at him and I said, we need more people like you. We need more of you in every generation to say that, God, you fired me up to continue to do what you have called me to do. You fired me up to be the husband that you made me to be. You fired me up to be the wife that you made me to be, to be the parent that you made me to be. You fired me up because you called me to be this, and this is what I'm created to become, a person who loves you to love other people so that the devil cannot have a heyday in my family, in my workplace, in the environment that I am in, in school. God, this is who you've called me to be, that I am one with you. So you fired me up, Lord, and I'm going to fan that flame that you first put into me, and I'm going to go out there and be who you've made me to be so that more people can come to know you. How do you want to be remembered? What's your legacy? How do you want your children to see you and to remember you? How do you want your grandchildren to remember you? Because that's going to be our legacy. Are we going to be a contributor, a reformer, or are we going to be a complainer and a renegade? Because Moses could not praise God and point fingers at the same time. He could not do that. He could not praise God and tell Joshua, Joshua, you're doing it wrong. No, no, no. He, he had to trust God that God was going to move in and through him and move in and through Joshua and the rest of the Israelites, and they prevailed. And this is who God has called us to be. You may be in a season that you're saying, you know, I fought my battles. And that may be true. But just because you fought your battles doesn't mean that you're no longer in it. You may be that generation of Moses of Moseses that would say, you know, I, this is what I can do. I can lift up the next generation to you, God. I can pray over them. And I can lift them up to you. That's why Ezekiel, uh, excuse me, Exodus chapter 17, verse 4, 
14 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. And make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Make sure Joshua hears it. What God was saying to Moses is that you gotta, you got to let him know. you got to let him know the mighty acts. Let him know what I've done. Let them know how good I am because they're going to see the junk. But as they see the junk and you work through that, tell them how I moved in your life so that they remember who I am. How do you want to be remembered? There's a company that is right now at work at trying to reach the next generation in a, in a different way. You can close your Bibles and put away your notes, and I just want to close with this story. It's the number one multi-platform home improvement brand. And they have committed themselves and all of its assets and talent to what they call Generation Next. And they're partnering with Mike Rowe, you know, Dirty Jobs, if you ever saw that uh, thing on TV, that Mike Rowe's foundation is trying to reach the next generation of young people to join different trades And they write this in their article that I'm excited for the chance to mentor the next generation of craftsmen and women. What a great opportunity for the master craftsmen. And what an opportunity for us. And they're called This Old House. They have a television program along with a magazine that's been around for probably 35, 37 years. And it's our opportunity along with our partners to inspire more young adults to pursue rewarding careers in the building trades. Now, what they're doing is they're, they're giving scholarships for those who are pursuing carpentry, plumbing, electricians, all of these skilled trades, because this is what they found out. For decades, they've missed the generations in raising them up, and now they're 7 million workers short in the next seven years. They have seven years to raise up seven million people because seven million people are going to be out and retiring from these various jobs. Seven million. Yeah, they may have missed this part, but they're trying their very best to catch up. And I looked at that and I thought, the world got it. They, they're, 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 they're doing whatever they can. They're buying homes, flipping homes to raise money so that they can pour into the next generation to give scholarships so that we can have these various skilled people in our world because they're desperately needed. And I thought, Lord, if the world can do that, how much more should we? I am so thankful for you as a church that you have not missed this. We've been here, not at this campus, but as a church for 35 years plus years. You have always had the heart of reaching out to various generations, not just age, but new people that have come to find Christ. You have always been that church. You have always been the church that says, I'm going to make sacrifices so that this new person can understand Christ. I'm going to meet people. I'm going to greet them. I'm going to love them into the kingdom of God. I'm not going to judge them. He is our greatest judge who judges with mercy and grace and justice. But we 
We have been given the mandate to love people into the kingdom of God. And as we do so, God will use us to shape generations for the kingdom of God. And when we do that, together, we won't miss a generation. And when we go home to be with the Lord, we will get to be the cloud of witnesses that cheer on the next generation. I had a friend of mine who came up to me some months ago and he said, hey, Pastor Sheldon, I have a problem. I need help. I said, what's happening? He said, I love my church. I love my church. We're having to, you know, we, we, we love God. We worship God. We love it. But I'm, I'm finding out that we're getting older. And I said, okay, what's, what's wrong with that? He said, the average age, the, 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 the average age or the lowest age in my church is 65 years old. And I said, okay. And he said this. He said, it just dawned on me the other day that this church may not exist, he's talking about his church, may not exist in the next 30 years because we have not brought in younger people. And I said, well, why don't you just bring in younger people? And he said, I hate to admit this, but it's because we like it the way it is. And it broke his heart to realize that. And so we're doing various things to kind of shift something. And it's hard to do. Many of you who have been here for years, it's not easy to shift and change. So for those who have been here, all these years, through all the changes we've been through, thank you for your grace. Thank you for welcoming in new people, the younger generation. Thank you for serving continuously, even when your pastors sometimes make changes that are not the best. I love you too. But this is all for the glory of God. Why not do this together? We got nothing to lose. We got nothing to lose. If we do this for God, all things work together for good. To those who love Him, to those who are called according to whose purpose? His purpose, because He's shaping the generations together. Amen. You pray with me. Bow your heads for a moment. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being a God who loves us. Thank you for calling us together as a multi-generational church to reach a multi-generational world. That boy, with all the changes we go through, you never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of that, we have hope. We have hope of greater days ahead. That the future is hopeful. And you'll still be there. So I thank you for every single generation that is represented in this church. What a beautiful place that you have called us to be at. And I pray for all of us in different generations, Lord, that you will continue to have your hand on us so that we can reach out to people who are in desperately need of your spirit. And we pray that you alone, Lord, would lead us because you're faithful. And it's to you, the potter, and we're the clay that we trust in your hands as you shape us.
In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said together, amen. Can we thank the potter who shapes our lives? He's so good to us.